You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Brady Leavitt, like any other Canadian kid, his dream was to play in the National Hockey League. Success came easily to Leopold as he began to turn heads in the junior leagues. A lead pass for Long, he's got Leopold with him, Long walks in, Sanders, goal! Leopold's a right-hand shot, rotates, and then sends here Long, back to Leopold, And a boy, Brady! And here we go, right off the bat, a fight ensues. And it's Leavold and Kerr, and they're both getting in shots. Now Leavold throwing right after right and just connecting like crazy. Once I met heroin, I mean, it was just, that became my new passion. What's the reason that young people who are athletes get addicted to heroin? They injure themselves, and they're more likely to be prescribed an opioid. And once addicted, many are going to switch over to heroin because it's much more cost-effective. And the effects that they produce in the brain are indistinguishable. When we talk about painkillers, we're essentially talking about heroin. Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery. Guys, this is episode number 40. 10 away from number 50. I've been counting them down the last few guys. Number 50, of course, is going to feature my dad, Brian, if you've been following along. Uh, my dad's been through the ringer with me. Uh, it's been no secret. I'm a little bit nervous, uh, but I'm hoping uh, that our conversation, if anything, uh, can be uh, educational, uh, not only for, for players, but for parents uh, and hopefully myself as well. Uh, because there's a lot of stuff that my dad and I have not had a chance to talk about uh, and uh, maybe doing it in this setting uh, will be helpful for not only us uh, but the listeners as well because uh, our story though is a little bit uh, on the crazy side uh, if you want to say it that way Uh, unfortunately uh, it's become apparent uh, that there's a lot more guys struggling uh, that play junior and professional hockey um, than I would have ever believed. Um, it's actually uh, very tragic, guys. And before I say anything else, I'm not recording in the Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio. And uh, if you have been following along, which I hope you have, uh, I've talked about it a lot. Uh, there's a old chicken coop on the property. I'm living at my girlfriend's house, uh, parents' house. Sorry and. Uh, uh, originally, I was just going to clean it out and start recording podcasts in it after I recorded like the first episode uh, back at the end of March. Um, very early on in my journey of being freshly out of jail and uh, clean guys, I realized I needed to connect with the hockey world. And, and when I did again, uh, Matt Thompson, a guy that I didn't know, uh, I spam Facebook. I've shared this story a lot. Sorry that I'm repeating myself, but I spam Facebook and uh, you know, basically, if your picture was a, was a anything hockey related, I was adding you as a friend, 
And I was going to send you a message and say, hey, check out my podcast. This is my story. I used to be a pro hockey player. Uh, I lost it all because I got addicted to oxys. It turned into a heroin addict, yada, yada, yada. You guys know the story. Uh, anyways, Matt Thompson uh, reached out to me after listening to the first one and said, hey, man, I don't know if you know Matthew Lashinsky, but he was a real, like my best friend and he played in the OHL and uh, he died in 2017 of an overdose. And uh, your guys' stories are so much alike. He's like, you should be very lucky that you're alive. And I said, I know I am. And But ever since he said that, uh, him and I have actually become like best friends. Uh, and in that moment, I decided to recreate that chicken coop uh, in Matthew Lashinsky's honor, the Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio. So it wasn't just cleaning it out anymore. It's like, okay, we're going to do this the right way. Matt Thompson came down. We started building it. It's kind of half built. Uh, he's been working hard this summer. He's a volunteer fire firefighter uh, as well as doing other things. He also owns a senior men's team. So he hasn't had a chance to get back down here uh, like I had hoped that he would, guys, uh, this soon. But he is coming uh, before the end of summer. And Matthew Lashinsky's parents are going to come up too. Um, there's just been a ton of support and I'm just so grateful to be alive and I'm very honored to be able to remember Matthew Lashinsky in this way and he is not the only one we've lost many to tragedies like suicide and addiction uh, and that is why uh, I've really put the pedal to the metal with the Puck Support Foundation guys if you don't know what the Puck Support Foundation is check it out pucksupport.com uh, it's really just me doing it right now so it's more of just a uh, a welcome page you know it's a work in progress guys uh, but that's okay you know I'm, I'm working hard but the Puck Support Foundation is going to be around to, to provide support for men and women boys and girls that are involved uh, both in playing hockey uh, coaching uh, hockey parents uh, you know if you identify in the hockey community guys uh, we're going to provide help uh, for mental health and addiction uh, and all of that that comes with it guys it's a work in progress but if you want to get involved please reach out to me um, it's really exciting uh, I want to host a three-on-three -three tournament guys up here in Muskoka Ontario uh, and um, there's no reason why that shouldn't happen uh, it I don't know if it's gonna happen this winter uh, but certainly uh, if it's not this winter it will be happening next winter and I know Darren McCarty is going to come out we're going to be on the same team I'm working on Brent Sopel hopefully my guest tonight will come out with some of his buddies from Saskatchewan we'll get to that here shortly uh, but guys if you're listening hopefully you're listening on the Hockey Podcast Network uh, guys you can check them out anywhere on social media at HockeyPodNet or www.thehockeypodcastnetwork.com Calm. Guys, they have 31 podcasts. That's one for every single NHL team. Also, guys, uh, they have bonus content such as Hockey to Heroin, Road to Recovery, uh, Tales with TR. That's Terry Ryan's podcast. If you guys listened to episode 39, he was on with me, and what a great episode that was. So thanks to him for joining me. We're going to do it again soon, actually, so that's exciting. Uh, but again, we have the Fourth Line podcast. Um not and house of hockey and, and ice analytics i think i said one of them already but um guys check them out uh it's just incredible what the hockey podcast network has done in such a short period of time um, so many entertaining podcasts if podcasts are your thing if especially if hockey podcasts are your thing check them out for sure um i don't know if you guys have been watching hockey i've actually been watching hockey for the first time in years uh just watched the leafs win three nothing uh, 
it's nice to see them pull off a win. Uh, it's actually been a lot better. The hockey's been a lot better than what I anticipated, playing with no fans. Uh, they were off for a long time. Obviously, these guys were training, because if you're not, I mean, <laughs> if you're a pro hockey player, it's a 365-day job, because if you're not, there's a million other people that'll that'll take your spot, and I want to talk about that a little bit today. Um, but other than that, guys, I just want to say that I'm extremely grateful that you're listening. Thank you so much for your support. Um, it's... Uh, it's not always easy. Um, today actually was was not uh, the greatest of days, but I, I'll tell you what, I've been training again. I started running. I'm making a comeback to the Maxwell Mustangs. That's Matt Thompson's senior A team, guys. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I also want to mention I'll be in North Bay August 10th to 13th. I'll be there with that 360 goaltending clinic. That's the first time I'm going to hop on the ice in like seven years. I'm really looking forward to just shooting on some goalies, getting out there talking to some kids. But if you're in the North Bay area at all, you want to come down, you want to come say hi. Uh, If you uh, have a team or you're running practices, if you want me to come out or if you want me to come say hi to the guys uh, or girls, teams, whatever, uh, I'm more than happy to volunteer my services as long as uh, it doesn't interfere with uh, the 360 goaltending clinics because that is my first priority while I'm there. Uh, But I would love to say hi to anybody, so if you want to come down, uh, please do. Um, Other than that, let's get right in to episode 40. And I just uh, go out there and do what I have to do, and uh, I make my own luck. I'm going to play my heart out, play for my teammates, and then create some entertainment at the same time, so I enjoy. Obviously, my favorite part now is the rough stuff. And now we've got our fight at center. It's John Scott who's going to try on John Morasti. Couple less by Morasti. Scott trying to get his bearings and tie up the little fella. He's given up uh, size, he's given up reach here. Morasti wants to keep going. This is where he's at his best. Scott came with the right. Maybe it connected, maybe it didn't. And you can never tell with Morasti. He hardly ever feels a punch, it seems like. And that appears to be uh, Morasti's uh, MO there. Uh... Bissonette trying to get free. Morasti loves these long fights. And he'll tell the linesman to stay out of there as long as he can. Morasti going with a couple of body shots. Oh, Bissonette's got a bloody nose from that left hand of John Morasti. Now Bissonette trying to... He's telling the linesman to get in. He told the linesman to come in and break that up for crying out loud. Hey, I got a bloody nose. Can you break this up? That's unbelievable. He, did, he turned toward the linesman and told him to get in there. I've never seen that before in my life. If that's not what he said, it sure looked that way. He turns right toward the linesman, makes a motion with his head, and the guy jumps in and grabs him. So what? You got a bloody nose. Big deal. It's part of the game, kid. You got to play that way. That's what's going to happen. See if he yells at Morasti on the bench anymore here today. I'll bet you that's over for the night. You YouTube John Morassi, you'll get at least a handful of scraps where he will take 10 to 15, Warren, and not even bat nine. My favorite part's the physical part of the game. That's John Morasti's role. That's what he does best. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's get it on! Now wake up, you got some shit to do. It's 6 a.m., I don't care, you got some shit to prove. Cause right now, you ain't got nothing that big to lose. So get your ass to work and don't you dare hit snooze. Can't stop this, I'm obnoxious. And I'm honest and novice with promise. Made monsters All right, guys, all the way from Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan. He needs no introduction. I tallied 297 fights. That is not including, guys, 
when he played in the SJHL where he recorded another 489 pims. So you can tally the fights in there if you'd like. Uh, but this is between the professional and major junior fights. 297 guys. This guy had 991 career pims in the LNAH. Uh, not to mention 751 in the American Hockey League guys where he did a lot of damage and I actually played against this guy when I was with the Norfolk Admirals uh, and I remember seeing him buzz around with his mohawk and warm up with no lid on uh, and I'm not usually too scared of people but this guy had a reputation uh, and I'm not the only one that felt that way so I'm not I'm not ashamed to admit that and and you heard it in the intro your guys's boy from spitting chicklets Paul Bissonette was calling for help what's up biz nasty you're calling for help I thought you were a tough guy man let's bring him in all the way from Meadow Lake Saskatchewan John nasty Morasty. thanks for joining me pal good day how are you going oh man uh, it's nice to uh, nice to connect with you, man. You're you're a living legend. Oh, definitely. It was, it was nice to hear uh, my old friend Bobby Mack, the radio announcer. I was, I was giggling to myself at some of the old uh, the old the old fights that he broadcast. He was quite the character. Yeah, no, it's. Um, Honestly, uh, John, I would have I would have uh, spent more time putting it together. You have so many fights. Uh, I had so many clips, uh, and it and I spent a few hours combing through them, and then I kind of shortened it because I was like, you know what, I like this because it really uh, it, it's just interesting because you know Biz Nasty gets a lot of press for for what he does, and I'm not knocking the guy. I actually I'm a fan. I'll say I like what he does. Uh, Spitting chicklets, uh, they get a lot of recognition. Uh, what they've done is really set the bar. Uh, uh, as far as pod, podca- uh, hockey podcasts go. However, what I will say, uh, it's kind of funny when you listen to that. Uh, however, I'm sure he wasn't the only one uh, that uh, was calling for those uh, those refs to come in and save their life uh, <laughs> pretty much. But, uh, you know, I want to talk to you a little bit. You know, uh, it's not talked about a lot, but you're of Cree heritage. You're, you're a First Nations uh, of heritage. Uh, you grew up in Saskatchewan. Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Yeah, no, I grew up on Flying Dust First Nation. It's in northern Saskatchewan. You know, it's, uh, I guess most people are familiar with Saskatoon. I'm pretty much directly three hours straight north. So uh, we're, we're pretty far up there, you know. Um, great upbringing. You know, I grew up on a farm. We had horses, and to this day, I still raise horses. And, you know, it was kind of the way I, I raised it. It was basically a farm boy, you know. And, and uh, growing up on, on Flying Dust, it was, it was kind of funny because my younger days, I wasn't very tough, and I, I got picked on. So I kind of think that it actually formed who I was later on in my career. And uh, you know, it's, it's it's been an awesome childhood, and it's been an awesome life. And you know, now I'm I move into those leadership roles where uh, you know I, I I represent our community. You know, in, in terms of politics and stuff like that. So you know, trying to trying to help out and do as much as I can for our youth. And uh, you know. It's nice calling you because we have a lot of addiction problems and a lot of you know mental health problems that go on even as far as this week. And you know it's it's a, it's a thing a life we live now. So it's nice to, to get more awareness and know that it's out there and, and it opens eyes up for a lot of people. So uh, you know, like I said, you know, blind us for First Nations where I grew up and uh, still here to this day. You know, I, I have connections in California as well, so I'm, I'm kind of back and forth between the, the two countries. But this damn COVID's uh, holding me up on my on my travels, um, I, I just got back from California about a week or two, two weeks ago, sorry, and just finished my 14-day quarantine, and uh, now I was just out at the farm waiting for your call and working with my horses. <laughs> 
Well, it sounds like you have a nice little life and it's nice to hear that, you know, you're you're in a position uh, to be able to give back. And I'm sure a lot of people in your community would look up to you. There's no there's no secret. Uh, I, it's a small, small community. Like you said, three, three hours north of, of Saskatoon. Is that close to Prince Albert or where is that? Yeah, I'm. I would be about two and a half hours northwest of uh, of Prince Albert. Okay. Okay. But yeah. More, so I, I haven't I spent I haven't spent any time in there up that way. But um, I played in I played in Swift Current for four years. So I know all about the Saskatchewan life, and and it's a nice. It's actually a nice way of life. And I've talked to a few of the guys that I played with. I've had so many Swift Current Bronco alumni on, and uh, I've talked to them all pretty much about it, uh, whether on the podcast or off, about how um, now that I have kids of my own, how much I could I would really appreciate to live in a town like Swift Current. Coming from Vancouver, where I'm from, as a 17-year-old going there to play, it was like a culture shock, but now as an adult, I'd be like, I'm like, wow, you know, there's there's certain things where it's like, I would, you know, I really like that. And that's sort of where I, I live in the bush now too. So I sort of have that yeah. same sort of setting, but um, it's really nice. You, you mentioned it, it's, you know, mental health and addiction can take a huge, huge toll um, on individuals and on families and on communities uh, and the First Nations community, um, I'm not sure where in your area, but I've known, I have know in the northern communities, um, some of them have been hit extremely hard. Um, and guys like Jordan Tutu have stepped up. Um, they've done a lot of work. And I've also had uh, Dodie Wood on the podcast, and he's actually going to step in and, and uh, be a big role with the Puck Support Foundation. And maybe that's something that the three of us could, could talk about and and uh and and help because it's not just the hockey community that we want to help but it's you know so many people identify um with the hockey community whether they ever play professional or major junior that that really doesn't matter what matters is bringing people together uh, and keeping them together and, and keeping them away from all the shit you know what i mean oh yeah definitely no there's a, there's a lot of things that can be done out there and i know there's a lot of people that are, are trying their best and, and doing a lot of good work so it's, it's always good to watch so you, you know, I've watched so many of your fights long, long, long before. I actually remember sitting in the hotel in Norfolk, um, actually watching your fights with Mitch Fadden, who was my roommate. And actually, rest in peace, he's passed away from an overdose too. And this guy was drafted by Tampa Bay, was a hell of a hockey player uh, and died of an overdose in 2017 as well. But I remember the two of us watching your fights uh, back in this would have been 2008, 2009. So, I mean, I've been watching your fights for years and years and years. And, you know, it's funny. I, I even was watching the ones recently where you fought Derek Bugard. And, and man, yeah. you look so little and so young. And, I mean, even he looks young. Um, but, you know, if people haven't seen those fights, you guys were both like 18 years old. Uh, what were you thinking going into the WHL? Um, because you weren't like me, you weren't drafted right into the WHL. So what was your mindset going into your very first, say Western hockey league training camp? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, you know, as a, as a 17 year old, I was in uh, Kindersley in the SJHL and, uh, you know, I just went and wanted to make a name for myself. And I think I did that as a 17 year old in, in Kindersley, you know, and, um, obviously your goal is to always go up, you know, you set goals and that's my whole life story setting goals and chasing those goals. So, you know, uh, I think from the SJHL, my next goal was to go to the Western league. And, and, uh, actually a good friend of mine, Corey McKee is the one that recommended me, you know, one of the guys from Prince Albert had called, uh, Corey, he was, he was a coach of the North battle for North stars. And he just said, you know, who's one of the tougher younger guys that are in the SJHL that are ready to come to the Western league. And, you know, Corey actually mentioned my name. So, 
I actually got a phone call from him. I think his name was Rick Vallette, and uh, he was the GM of, of Prince Albert Raiders, and, and that's kind of how I got my foot in the door, and I went to PA. Um, at that time, the big guy on the team was Steve McIntyre. You know, he was a 20-year-old, and, and he, funny story was he was actually uh, the nicest guy in the world. You know, he was my roommate for a, a bit there, and uh, you know, we ended up having a pretty good go in, in camp, and, and, you know, because he was a 20-year-old, we were limited to spots, so they ended up keeping me and, and sending him, I think, he went to, to Medicine Hat or somewhere. So, you know, obviously, you know, back then I was a lot smaller, younger, naive, uh, but I also had that drive to try go, and, and, and I just took it, did what I could with it. You know, I didn't expect to to kill everybody or do anything like that. I just wanted to go and hold my own and, and make a name for myself and prove people wrong. You know, with, with my height, you know, it's always been questioned that, uh, you know, I was too small to do what I did, and, and I actually fed off that. You know, I, I kind of fought that right until I played games in the NHL. You know, people always doubted me and said that I was too small, I'd never do it. And I think that I just kind of fed my ego and, and just wanted to prove people wrong. So it's been quite the ride. And, and uh, you know, to this day, I don't regret any of it at all. It, it informed the person I am today. And, and it was it was awesome. You know, it's it's, uh, it's awesome to be able to fight for your teammates, to fight for the fans. And, you know, I listened to your introduction, you know, and like it is, it's all about all about your team and, and also at the same time provide entertainment so um, yeah that was kind of such a long time ago it seems like that I'm mean, going to talk about my junior days but uh, it sure was a, was an, a fun time I wish I could do it all over again uh, yeah no doubt well your first year in the Western League uh, you had 37 fights that's just in the regular season never mind training camp uh, exhibition <laughs> and if you would have fought in, in playoffs I'm not sure but like 37 that is an insane number and you were fighting guys like Derek Bugard um, and yeah. and every other tough guy. So, you know, and, and that continued. I mean, because you you made it, like you said, you made a name for yourself, and you had over three hundred pims in, in in multiple seasons, um, which is uh, crazy. You know, like to not too many people ever accomplished that. You did it like three or four times, and got very close a few more. You know what I mean? And with only playing half, maybe like half the games in the season or whatever. So. Um, you know, and there's no secret, there's no secret though, right? That was your role. And, and, and like you said, you loved it and you did it for the fans and your teammates. And, but were you scared when you first started and did it change as your career progressed? Um, or, or, or were you just not one of the players that ever suffered from the anxiety that came with, with knowing that you were going to have to fight either that night or even sleeping the night before, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, when I was younger, I mean, it was just it just came natural. I liked to fight, and I wasn't necessarily scared, but I wasn't necessarily, you know, I don't know how to say that, but it, it was it was like you said, it you're there. I think the biggest toll about being an enforcer in, in hockey, especially at, you know at the higher levels, when you start fighting big guys like Derek Bugard or Steve McIntyre or Jeremy Oblonsky or Trevor Gillies, you know, all those big names. You know, you do have uh, a lot of. Uh, I didn't really think of it as anxiety back then, but it was more, you know. The night before, you know, you're, you you know, you don't know for sure that you're going to fight those guys, but you pretty damn well know it's going to happen. You know, I, you know, I've never sat there the night before knowing that I had to fight them, but it always ended up happening 90% of the time. So, you know, the, the day of your, of your game, you know, you go home after pregame skate, you have your, your two hour pregame nap. And, you know, I remember having nightmares in those naps because you're, you know, you're fighting some pretty big men that hit pretty hard and you make one mistake, you, you might go to sleep there. So, um, I, I found that the toughest part of, of hockey, you know, a lot of guys say being a fighter was one of the more harder jobs, and I agree with that, but it wasn't the actual fighting itself that was hard. It was more what led up to the fight, you know, all the, the 
uh, like you said, that the, the day prior and, and, the, and the hours prior, just, to, you know, being nervous and knowing that, hey, shit, I'm going against this guy and this guy's known to be one of the tougher guys in the league. And, and you know, so it's, it's, it puts a lot of stress on you, I think. And that, to me, was the hardest part. It wasn't the fighting because, you know, after, you know, a hockey fight's only usually about, a, you know, 30 seconds to a minute and a half. And, you know, that was the fun part, to be honest, because I remember thinking after a fight, you know, I'd always, my, my trademark was to point up to the fans and then put my fingers in the air and, and it was always kind of, uh, I'd laugh and say, shit, all that stress those last three days just for that, that was awesome. So it was almost that, you know, I never got that into drugs. I was never really addicted to anything. So I think that was my high was, was that adrenaline rush, you know, to this day, I'm still a adrenaline junk. You know, I, I, I want to do everything that's scary in the book and, and, and that's my high. So, um, you know, you know, and then the older I got, and you know, when I was considered one of the top guys, you're always scared to lose because you know everyone expects you to win, but at the same time, they want you to, you know, they want you to lose just to have talk. So, you know, the, the older I got, it got a little bit more stressful because there's always younger guys trying to come up and and and, and give it give it a shot. But you know, I thrived out that. I loved it, and, and it, it was fun. Like I said, uh, my career was a blast, and and I met so many friends and so many teammates and you know to this day I'm, I still talk to everybody and it's, it's awesome it's a brotherhood yeah well actually on that topic uh, I have a shout out for you actually uh, Mark Hollick and his son Cooper the, he was your son or your coach down in Syracuse uh, Mark Hollick and his son Cooper uh, Cooper wanted to say hi to you uh, he said that you were just uh, really really nice to him uh, when when you were there the short time that he was there I don't know how long you guys were there together but he wanted me to, to let you know that uh, him and his dad said hello yeah I, I, you're, you're cutting out there a little bit oh yeah no I was saying uh, Mark Hollick he was your coach down in Syracuse there and his, uh, oh, yeah, his yeah. son his son Cooper, uh, Mark and Cooper, uh, wanted to say hi. They just said that you were just the nicest guy, and uh, that they hope you're doing well. But I'd, I'd like to say hi back. Okay, yeah, hello to them as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, Cooper and I have actually become uh, pretty good friends, and and he's been on the podcast with Mark, and, and he's gone through his own battle with mental health, and come on and talk about it. So it's good to good that he's doing well, and, and I just wanted to say that. So yeah, it's you know what I mean. It, it is a brotherhood, and so you have a former coach, and then and then his son who was a young teen back then, or not even maybe because he's he's really young, yeah. and he's twenty three now. So you know what I mean. Um, looking up to you and, and remembering that you know you were a nice guy, and and it's funny because you said that about um about McIntyre about him being you know the nicest guy but it's usually the case and people say the same thing about you right um out of every out of everywhere you played um where was your favorite place oh boy Uh, well I think I I spent the majority of my career probably Syracuse New York I was there for for quite a while and and, uh you know the city really welcomed me and like I said, to this day, I still have friends and people call me to come back and visit. You know, even the management and the ownership, you know, to this day, I could call Jim Sorosi, you know, the first-class guy, and, you know, I could say, hey, I need a jersey. And, I mean, it's it shipped out the next day, and, and uh, they're always there to support me and support my causes back home. And, and you know, same thing. You know, I've, I've flew to Syracuse numerous times since I've retired to, to go make public appearances. And, uh, you know, it's always a really warm welcoming. But, you know, with that being said, I hate to just choose one city because, you know, everywhere I went, uh, I was always treated with open arms and, and, and treated really well. You know, I don't have really one city that I played in where I, I wasn't treated great. And, uh, you know, so 
but I think I think if I had to choose one, I would say Syracuse. You know, I still have family there. I have friends there. Um, I talk to the whole organization. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just uh, a place, you know. Another place that was awesome was Russia, you know. You know, you always hear so much bad stuff in the in the media about Russia, but you know, Russia they were they were golden to me. You know, both both teams I played for in the KHL were were awesome, and and, and I have nothing but good things to say about those organizations as well. Yeah, well, that's you know, interesting. Yeah, I know. I want to talk to you about the KHL, but I'm glad you said that about you know being you know Syracuse being your favorite team. But I'm sure like what you said there is that you didn't. It's hard to pick one because you were treated so well. But what I want to mention about that is there's a reason why you were treated so well, um, and that's because you treated everybody so well, right from probably the owners and the management to your teammates who you protected and to the fans who you probably interacted with and also entertained. So. Uh, there's, you know, there's no secret why, you, why it's like that for you. But not everybody will feel that way about every place that they played. Uh, but because yeah. of the character you are, um, that speaks yeah. vol- volumes about who you are and how you played. Um, but yeah, there's an, an interesting video on YouTube. What happened with you and Yablonski and those guys outside the bar? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's a funny story. There, there's uh, how was that? Uh... That's so long ago too, but I think we were. It was our, it was our first, I think, three weeks in Russia. You know, finally, Jeremy and I got to play on the same team together, and we were in, I think it was Magnitsk or somewhere in the middle of Russia. And, and you know, we've only been there for three or four weeks, and uh, we had actually a pretty good. Uh, it was like a preseason tournament they have there, where you fly to a, a city and you, you have a little a game per night. And uh, I remember it was Sunday night, and we had played that day and won, and I got into a fight. And I remember Andre Nazarov was our head coach at the time. And, you know, he just said, yeah, you know, you Canadian guys can go. You guys did really well. You know, go for a supper and some drinks and have a good night. We fly out tomorrow morning. So, you know, long story short is all of us Canadian guys. I think there was myself, Kip Brennan, uh, Jeremy Oblonsky. Oh, wow. Uh, I think we had, we had Matt Dalton there. We had, and then uh, little, little Art Panarin there that plays for uh, New York right now. And Aaron was uh, was there as well as us, and we went. Uh, no way! Come on. <laughs> yeah, he actually. And Aaron actually saved me. I'd probably still be in jail in Russia right now. But anyways, uh, we were uh, we went out for supper, and you know, obviously the the famous drink there is vodka. So we had a couple of bottles of vodka between all of us, and you know, then we headed out to a bowling alley, and same thing, kept drinking, and then you know, it got a little bit later at night, and it's like, okay, well, we want to hit up a club then. I remember this club didn't open till midnight, so you know we're sitting outside of this club, and there's you know two or three hundred people waiting to get in this club. And, you know, at that time, I think Jeremy and I stood out. Jeremy Oblonsky and I stood out like sore thumbs. You know, we were both pretty big guys. And I probably, I think I had the Mohawk or something, and probably had a Shiner, who knows? And uh, all I remember is we got a lot of attention from all these these uh, Russian people, and they were you know taking pictures of Jeremy and I. And then it just got into the point where. Uh, some guys I think got a little mad at, at some of our guys and it wasn't really me and Jeremy that even were involved in it they were kind of picking on I think it was our goalie and some of the smaller guys and you know calling them Americans they didn't really like Americans there and um, all I remember is push came to shove and, and you know people were videotaping and <laughs> I remember just back I kind of just backed up and kind of wanted to stay out of the trouble you know I grew up on a reserve and when there's a big crowd you don't want to be in the middle of it so I just backed up and and kind of uh, watched how things progressed. But, you know, once once the, the fights broke out, I know Jeremy went in there and, and two or three guys jumped on the Jeremy. So that's when I 
you know, I had no choice but to step in. And, and uh, long story short, is I think between Jeremy and I, I think we knocked out four or five guys. And all I remember is looking back, and I was actually kind of scared because the guys were, were you know, playing the dead chicken. They were laying on the ground shaking, and I was like, shit, you know, we might have might have hurt these guys. And and uh, you know, but like I said, we were they, they jumped us. It wasn't like we picked a fight. And uh, all I remember is I said, oh, let's get out of here, you know, let's leave. So we started leaving, and then. I remember a little tiny cop car pulled up and with the lights on and Jeremy and them all took off running. And, uh, you know, I'm probably the slowest one and I didn't want to get shot. So I stopped and, you know, the cops came and toughed me up. But, uh, and Aaron was actually the guy that come back and saved me. He, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't speak a word of Russian and, and they didn't speak a word of English. And, you know, at that time, and Aaron didn't even really speak English. So, you know, all he did, he just said, Johnny, 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 we, you know, money, money, money. I bought my way out of jail there and, and, uh, you know, ended up having it out, but it was kind of funny because, you know, no one really knew about that. And it was kind of quiet. And I remember even my wife saying, Oh, what'd you do last night? I said, Oh, nothing went to bed. But a few weeks later, it was all over uh, the media about that incident. Someone had videotaped it and <laughs> kind of threw, threw, threw my undercover objective in the garbage and everything. Everyone found out. So even my wife was questioning, Oh, I thought you went to bed that night. No, we, we went and had some fun, but, uh, it, it, at, the, at the end of the day, it turned out it's a memory. It was kind of funny, you know. Obviously, some of those guys probably still don't like us to this day. But at the same time, you know, when my when my friends or teammates are gonna, you know, get picked on, I'm 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 gonna be the first guy there to, to help them out. So it, it all turned out well. No one got hurt. We're all still here. <laughs> that's awesome. That's a great story. I loved how uh, that's so funny that uh, I had no idea that Panarin was there. I would have never guessed that in a million years. I I didn't even know that you guys that he was on those teams. I should have looked at the roster, but uh, that's that's too funny. Johnny Johnny Money. I love that. Uh, that's hilarious. That's a good story. But it's it's funny that you guys you and Yablonski got to actually play together because you guys man did you guys have some good fights, eh? Yo, and it came it came naturally, you know, because Jeremy's actually from the same town as me. Um, you know, he was, he was kind of a guy that I always kind of looked up to. He was you know, a few years older than I was. You know, I think he's three or four years older than I am. But, you know, when I was younger playing, you know, minor hockey, he was just stepping into the WHL and stuff. So it was always a guy I looked up to. And, you know, it was kind of funny because when I first got into the to the American League, you know, he was in Binghamton and I was, I was in uh, Syracuse. And I was kind of a big rival. So him and I had our first... Fair, uh, fair few, few fights, and uh, you know, like I said, a lot of them are still talked about, and it was always fun, and it was always exciting, and and it was always kind of a, a hometown thing to see who could win who. And out of all our fights, I don't ever really think I could pick a clear winner. You know, we always had some toe-to-toe battles, but I remember the bus rides home and the, the flights home were always pretty damn sore because he's a big man, he hits hard, and and uh, we always wanted to be entertaining and thrilled, so. Yeah, all your entertain, all your fights were entertaining. That's that is for sure. What about concussions? Like from fighting, how many? And uh, I've never had one. See, this is funny, man. Because you want to know what? <laughs> I'm I'm joking. I mean, to be honest, to this day, I've never been even diagnosed with one concussion. But I've been uh, I've been knocked out a few times. So I'm assuming uh, when you're knocked out cold, that should be considered a concussion. But I always kind of found it funny because uh, some of my best fights were always the next day after being knocked out. Like I remember one fight that comes to mind was uh, up in Quebec. Steve Bosse had knocked me out, and I I was out cold. I I wasn't out cold because I skated at the penalty box or the, the dressing room and stuff. But I I don't remember any of it. But 
anyways, you know, I was so mad from being beat from him that I, I went home and I was just ready to go. And we ended up playing him the next night in Syria or in Sorel. And, and, uh, that was a fight where I think I got a lot of the better of him and, and it was a good showing. So, um, but yeah, as far as concussions go, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I've had a handful of concussions, but you know, to this day, I think it's all in my head. And I just say, no, I've never had a concussion, concussion because you know, it's, your mind's a powerful thing, and if you tell yourself you didn't have one, then you might be better off. <laughs> you might, yeah, man. You know what? I never looked at that. I've never looked at it that way. And you know what? I, man, I thoroughly believe that the mind is so much more powerful than we even know. And uh, that right there in itself, man, I like that. See that? That to me, I that just changed. I love that. That I, I love it. That is so great. Yeah. Because I don't like um, it. I mean, you. Your, your mind's a powerful thing, whether it's positive or negative, right? So when you're going through a depression or, you know, things aren't going good, your, your mind wants to play tricks on you. Your mind's going to tell you a lot of a lot of negative things and a negative thoughts. So, you know, I, I went through some mental issues with myself. I wouldn't say mental issues, but, you know, I went through some struggles and some depression, at, you know, a little bit after hockey. And, and uh, you know, I actually lost about 45 pounds at one point and wasn't doing very well. But, you know, like I said, I really learned at the end of the day, I'm, I'm 100% healthy now. And I look back at it and I go, man, my mind told me some pretty dark things. Um, and at the same time, my mind throughout my career told me some pretty positive things. You know, a lot of guys always, you know, it's funny because I'm, all, I'm, I'm good friends with a lot of uh, my, my teammates that were actually tough guys too. So at the beginning, we didn't really get along. You know, when I, what comes to mind is when I was in uh, Danbury, a guy named by, by the name of Brad Wingfield. You know, he was a pretty tough character in the lower minors. And when we first got on the same team, we didn't hit it off very well because I, I came around as very cocky. And uh, I kind of laugh at that now because I, I was a young, cocky kid at that time. But, you know, when I look back at it and I tell these guys, I said, I had to be cocky, you know, be, becoming a, a young guy that's, you know, five foot ten and fighting guys are six five, six eight. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not the biggest guy in the world. I'm young. You know, I had to be cocky. So that, that's where my, you know, your, your mind comes in because I would tell myself, you know, I'm one of the toughest guys around and that's, you know, I told myself that that's kind of how I thought. Um, do, do I consider myself the toughest guy in the world? Absolutely not. But I had to tell myself that because, you know, I could damn well tell you right now if I was fighting, you know, if I was back in my prime and I was going to be fighting Steve McIntyre tomorrow night and I kept telling myself in my mind that I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose. I guarantee you I'm going to lose that fight, you know? So that's why I always, I always had that little bit of a, positive cockiness attitude is just to be able to bring you through those fights because you know there's some tough men and, and you go in there telling yourself you're going to lose you're going to lose you know you go in yourself there telling you're going to win there's a good chance you're going to win so your mind is, is such a powerful tool so you know and like i said it's both positive and negative so if you can utilize the positivity of that then, then you're going to be in good hands it's, it's a very good way to look at things and I do a lot of uh, Facebook live videos Instagram stuff I talk about positivity all the time and it's you know it's not always easy for for me to do and I think a lot of people can can agree with me on that it's you know but I, I find that once you get in the rhythm of, of staying positive and you can start to eliminate the negative people out of your life and the negative things whether it's like the neg whatever you're listening to what you're eating who you're talking to all of it. Um, the more oh, yeah. you can limit, the more you can limit the negativity. Um, obviously, the better your life is going to be. It's very simple, right? But it's it's a lot harder to put into action um, sometimes uh, than I would like it to be for me, anyways. But um, you mentioned that you know when you were finished playing, 
that you went through a little bit of a rough time. Your, your mind was saying some, playing some dark, telling you to go some dark places or, or tempting you to. Um, what made yep. you, how were you able to pull yourself out of that? Um, were there anything in, like, was there anything in that you did uh, in particular that maybe helped you get, get out of that? Or is there anything that you still do, uh, John? Uh, I really forced myself, you know, to, to, to get out fresh air and, and see the good things in life, you know. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, there's so many rumors and stuff, you know, I get interviews all the time, you know, by, you know, writers wanting to talk about the bad effects of hockey, fighting, fighting in hockey, but, you know, obviously I'm not here to say, oh, getting hit in the head so many times is good for you, but at the same time, I, you know, we've lost a lot of good men, you know, over the years that have, that have done my role, and, uh, you know, everyone wants to blame it from fighting, from fighting, from fighting, but I, I think it's far from that, to be honest. I mean, and I'm not no doctor or, or anything like that, but my, my point of view is, you know, you go from the time that we've been four or five years old, you know, you're playing a game you love, you know, everything's set up on a platter for you. You know, you train, you work out, you always have next fall to go to camp, and, you know, that, that becomes our life, right, from the time we're four years old or we want to play hockey. And then you get into the pro levels, and same thing, you know, your fight, fights are booked for you. You have pregame naps. You play hockey. All you do is everything's set, set in stone for you. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you leave hockey, and you lose your identity. You don't have a clue what you are or who you are. Um, you know, you, you, you get, you'll get welcome to the real world. You know, you go from being basically a rock star to, to having to live a normal life. You know, not everyone like Sidney Crosby where he gets to retire from hockey and that's it. You know, the guys got to go back and find something for life after hockey. And, and you know, for me, I thought I had it going. You know, I had a, uh, I, I ended up opening Tim Hortons in Meadow Lake, Saskatchewan. You know, the first Tim Hortons that we had in our community. And, uh, you know, things were going good, but I just, it, it, it was a, it was a complete opposite of what hockey was about, right? You're, you know, hockey, you just did everything and had fun and partied and made tons of money where you know you open up your own business you, you're basically living there 18 hours a day and, and it just it, it took its toll on me so um you know like i said i i went through some dark times there i lost probably you know i'm usually about 235 pounds pretty pretty solid guy and i i think i was down to like 180 and uh you know it, it was it was pretty scary but at the same time you know i just fought through it my wife Janessa was right by my side and helped me you know there was times where I couldn't even do it. She she kind of took that role and it did everything. So she's probably the biggest thing that helped me was my wife. But you know, like I said, getting fresh air and 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 your mind. Like again, I I, I can't say it enough. Your mind's such a powerful tool, right? So if you tell yourself you're sick and you're 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 mentally ill, you're gonna you're gonna go downhill. But you know, you just tell yourself it's gonna get better and better. And, and you know, look at me today. I'm I'm now uh, a leader in my community, and and uh, you know, I'm trying to help and, and pass on what I learned. And, uh, you know, the, the, the depression part was just a chapter in my life and in my book. And, you know, I'm, I move on and I'm, I'm comfortable talking about, you know, it's, it's part of who I am today. That's awesome. Uh, I appreciate, I really appreciate you coming on here and talking about, cause I mean, I come on here and talk only about my addiction and I've had quite a few people, uh, come on and talk about different things and, and not that everyone has, want, has to, or wants to, or, but I certainly appreciate you coming on here and being so open. I think that people listening will appreciate it as well because most people are, are out there going through their own battle. 
and uh, okay. it, it gives it, it definitely gives gives them hope. It gives you know that's why I do what I do is to, just to be the hope, just to show people that hey, you know what, it doesn't have to be if you if you're in the darkness, you can get out of it. And I'm very happy uh, to hear that you were able to uh, to turn it around. And and what a great what a great uh, partner you have, your wife, uh, to be able to support you. I think that's a big thing is. Um, like you said, when guys lose hockey, whether it's from an injury or whether they just retire because their career's over, whatever, there's there's no easy way to hang up the skates. Um, and like you said, going to the rink every day, everything's done for you. Like like yeah, uh, right from the time you're in junior, that starts, and before that, your parents are doing everything for you. So it's you know what I mean. And it's not that we're hopeless, but it's just you know what I mean. It's almost as if we have no meaning and purpose. And I think a lot of guys struggle and I've I've found that a lot of guys um, I've talked to end up getting divorced after their careers are over um, because they're struggling and and a lot of these girls whether they don't uh, they don't stand by their husbands because they're not uh, happy or or I don't know why because uh, I don't know all the circumstances there's always two sides to every story but a lot changes basically is what I'm saying when when a, when a guy retires from hockey um, and to be able to have someone to support you through that, uh, can mean the world a difference um, and sometimes that isn't always enough but in most cases uh, it can certainly um, help and uh, like I said I'm just so glad that you know you're doing well because uh, like I said I don't know you um, this is the first time we've talked uh, and you battled you battled as hard as anybody ever did playing hockey arguably um, you know what I mean um, you fought everybody uh, you never turned down a fight. You never backed down from anybody, uh, and you didn't um, just stand in there. Like you stood in there and you threw him, and you got hit. And like you said, it was entertaining. Ah, uh, man! Like it, it for people. Most people watch that, and they, it probably hurts them. It's like ah, oh, like how does that? But you know, and that's why not everybody can do it. Um, and that's why I am very happy to hear. Um, where you're at today and be able to share your stories. What's the um, biggest thing you uh, you see in your community um, where where you want to implement change? Uh, you know, maybe just in Saskatchewan. I'm not saying just your community, but um, in the world, what are you seeing? Where do you want to influence? What kind of change do you really want to make? Or well, like for me, you know, I, I just you know, I, I I'm a man of my flying dust. Obviously, I, I have a house in Metal Lake as well, but my, my community is, is, is flying dust. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of our, our younger First Nations youth are lost. And, and uh, you know, I, I didn't have the perfect upbringing either. So, you know, I try to use, use myself as an example for these kids to be able to leave the reserve and, and chase their dreams. And, and, you know, whether, you know, not everyone's an athlete or, a, you know, a hockey player, but, you know, just to give these kids opportunity. You know, I, I, I'm very fortunate to have the life I live. You know, I'm all over North America all the time, you know, going different places and I have great family all over and friends and, and I've traveled the world. So, you know, I'm trying to really promote these kids because like I said, a big struggle that we have in our first nation communities is, is, you know, mental health and addictions and, 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 you know, suicide. We actually just had a, um, a young lady commit suicide just uh, last Friday. So it, it's really tough on the community as a whole. So, um, you know, like I said, you know, a lot of the, I mean, I could go on and on about all the the history of First Nations people. You know, at the end of the day, you know, it's today. It's not, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago. 
So we need to move forward. And, and I just try to do what I can with our youth to, to promote a healthy lifestyle and, and be a role model. And, you know, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect either. I still have my, my issues out here and there, but, you know, just to try be there to support them and help them, whether it be in sports or school. And, you know, I'm pretty well, well connected with my community in, in, in Meadow Lake as well. So if kids are struggling at school, I can, you know, I know all the principals and the teachers and, and everybody like that. So, you know, and I'm pretty well respected here as well. So it's, it's, it's good to be kind of a middleman to just help our youth get out of the rut that they're in and move forward. And, you know, I, another thing that I've incorporated is I, I'm a big, a big horse guy. You know, I've had horses my whole life. So I, uh, I actually started an equine therapy program where I'll bring young troubled youth, you know, and bring them out to the farm and work with horses. And it's amazing what horses can do with kids. Right. So, um, wow. you know, just like I said, I try, I, you there? Well, I've known them my whole life and I just see them deteriorate. You know, I, I want to do what I can to help and, and at the same time, you know, fight a lot of the drug dealers and stuff here. So I'm pretty big into that. And that's kind of my, my big issue is kind of, you know, being hard, hard and tough against drugs and, and trying to get people living healthy. So, you know, obviously I have my own family, so I got to do what I can, you know, that's first and foremost, the most important thing to be. But at the same time, my, my community means a lot to me and, and I do what I can to help. And, and, you know, like I said, I've been all over the world and I have a lot to offer with the experience that I've had. So I try to pass it on as much as I can. That is awesome. I absolutely love that. That is incredible. I, I think that's so important. And, you know, it's I've, I've talked about it on here before, actually. I, when I was in grade 12 in Swift Current, I took uh, First Nations in school because, uh, by correspondence because I'm from BC. So I took learned about the BC First Nations. But um, like I said, Dodie Wood, uh, he played in the NHL and, and he was on the podcast and he's going to uh, he does a lot of the same stuff. Um, up in northern BC where he is uh, he's a little bit older than you um, but you know we're going to work together uh, with the Puck Support Foundation because that's really kind of the same idea is is you know find helping guys and girls like because I just know hockey really hockey and addiction and mental health um, so what I'm trying to do with the Puck Support Foundation, I'll tell you just quickly, is is sort of the same thing too. Is like when guys or girls are done playing, whether it's university, and actually I don't know if you knew this, but um, behind football, women's hockey is number two on the concussions list, and that is because that is because um, they're not they don't get taught how to hit. Um, they skate around with their head down and, and what they're doing now, like these girls are moving now like they're fast like these girls are like they're training just as hard as guys and, and so when they collide that's when you get these concussions it's not from the fighting like you mentioned I agree with you I that's why I said I, I don't find that concussions come from the fighting um, but yeah like yeah. I said the girls are, are number two behind so actually there's been a, a, quite a few girls that have committed suicide once their university scholarships are done that I'm finding out and it's really been been tragic so not only that it's just trying to find um, help these uh, men and women boys and girls find meaning and purpose when they're done playing hockey um, because yeah. it, it can be extremely difficult right and uh, I would love for you to get involved it sounds like you have your your hands tied in but I would love to uh, to get the puck support out in that community with the hockey uh, community out in Meadow Lake uh, and on your reserve for sure. Um, keep up, keep up the great work. That's awesome. Uh, you also have a son that plays hockey. Uh, uh, how old is he now? Yeah, Tristan, he just turned 17 years old. He just, uh, 
finished his first year a junior, and uh, he played actually down in California this year. And they um, finished first place, but they, you know, due to this COVID, they were just getting heading into playoffs, and everything was canceled. So it was kind of unfortunate for that. Um, but yeah, he's uh, 17 years old now, and he's uh, looking to start his second year a junior here. So we'll see what happens. Just kind of a, a world of unknown right now with everything that's going on. So. No doubt. What kind of player is Tristan? Is he like his dad? <laughs> I don't know. He's a southpaw, so I wish he was. But uh, you know, he's, he's he's a big kid. You know, he's already six foot one, and and you know, he's, he's for his age, he's probably twice the size as I was at that age. So he's he's doing good. But he, you know, for a kid that was a sixteen year old rookie, he he produced a lot of points, and he's a quite a quite a skilled player. So, but he's also, you know, I'm trying to keep that little bit of aggressive side. I. I don't like the way hockey's played nowadays. I'm not a big fan of it. So, uh, you know, I really like that. He, uh, that I want to be, be able to know that he can take care of himself out there. But at the same time, you know, fighting's the way of the past now in hockey, obviously. And, and uh, just to see what it take, where it takes him. You know, I, I can. What's nice is I've, I've been there and done that. So, you know, I kind of guide him the way and, and just let him know that hockey's not the world. You know, he's got other other opportunities out there, but. You know, he can chase his dreams as long as he can, and if it doesn't work out, there's there's always other opportunities out there. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it, and and I, I I've talked about this too. Is hockey um, provides kids um, and teenagers with so many great things outside of whether you make it a scholarship, not or junior pro, uh, just learning the the aspect of teamwork, uh, commitment, and hard work. Uh, can really really impact a, a childhood in in ways that are so profound that like you can't even understand until you're older like I've met a few people uh, you know I spent some time I spent two years in jail once and then a year in jail believe it or not I don't know if you knew that but um, through my addiction and everything uh, after I was done playing hockey uh, and I got to meet a lot of uh, different people while I was in there um, and a lot of them can't read or write actually and it's really really sad like um, and a lot of them have no idea how to work in a team setting and to me coming from a hockey I'm just so you I just thought like that's how everybody is because that's how everybody I knew was you know what I mean so it's yeah. you you start to realize how lucky I how lucky I was to to be afforded the opportunities I was and a lot of them I, I worked for too um, but you know I, w- I was fortunate that my dad and my family provided me a lot of the opportunities um, but How's the hockey population where you live? Like, do a lot of the kids play hockey? I know with COVID nineteen, obviously things are like you said are are, are kind of stopped in the tracks. But what's the hockey community like uh, on your reserve? Uh, our reserve is growing. I know we we built a brand new rink. Probably about, it's probably about ten years old now. But you know we're really trying to promote it. I I would say my reserve's not the the biggest for for hockey. You know it's slowly growing, and you know. Um, but you know the town of Metal Lake's only five minutes away, and Metal Lake's a pretty big hockey community. You know we have a lot of guys that have played pro. You know um, that come out of Metal Lake. A guy like Blake Como, Dwight King, Jeff Friesen, DJ King. You know there's uh, Jeremy Oblonsky, myself. There's there's a lot of guys that have moved on and played at pretty high levels of hockey. So it's it's a strong strong community. But you know the way hockey's going nowadays too. You know there's so many of these AAA programs that you know where you have to send your kids away and all these academies. So, you know, we've lost. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't think we're as good as we used to be for for the hockey wise. But, um, you know, there's still kids. Obviously, we're a Canadian town, and, and people love hockey here. So, um, you know, our our senior team this year. You know, it's always gets a sold out barn. So, 
Uh, they, they obviously love their hockey in this town. Are you playing? I actually played this year. I had uh, I had a lot of fun, and uh, believe it or not, I I was one of the top scorers on the team. <laughs> so I, not many pe- not many people believe that, but I, I we had a really good team this year, and like I said, I enjoyed playing, and and, and uh, you know it was fun to be able to play in front of all all my friends and family, you know, because I've never really played in Metal Lake. I was always gone in Russia or in the States, and when I came home, I didn't play for the first few years, so it was nice to be able to have family and, you know, my kids come and watch, and, and uh, you know, it was a pretty competitive league. It was senior double A, and, and we were actually heading into the finals as well, and, and uh, same thing, COVID hit, and everything was canceled. Uh, that sucks. Well, are you going to do it again? Are you going to play again next year if it fires back up? I don't know, to be honest. I've been asked a few times, and, and you know, it's, it's fun because I love letting my little kids watch me play because, you know, my two younger girls were never really old enough to see what, what I did what I did for a living. So my, my younger, or my daughter, my middle daughter, that's eight years old, just started playing hockey. She's just going to go into her second year now, and, and she loved the fact that, you know, I played on the senior team and she come and watch. So that's kind of what pushes me to do it. But at the same time, I ain't getting any younger and, and those two games in one weekend or three games in one weekend were, were kind of paying its toll on my body. <laughs> well, I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm planning on playing. Holy shit, man. I, I just went running for the first couple. I've been running sprints on this. I don't even want to call it a hill because it's hardly an incline. But, geez, man, my legs feel <laughs> like they're going to... Honestly, man, I am so far removed from professional hockey. It is not even funny. Like, I haven't played since 2012. I haven't been on the ice really since 2013. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, but I think I would encourage you, man. If you sound like you had a good time doing it, so um, you know why not, right? I, I mean, if you have the time, are, are you pretty oh, busy yeah, no. with what's going on? Like, how many horses do you have out there? Oh, we got a, I got horses and I got cows. I mean, it's I have the time for it. Just sometimes you want to give up your family time for you know on weekends and stuff. So I'm I'm sure I could play. And even if I only wanted to play a handful of games, they they still take me in an open arm. So. Uh, but I, it's it's a good offer. it's a good chance that I'll play again. I don't know. I try still stay pretty fit. Like I, I jog every day and ride the bike and and go to the gym. So I'm in I'm in pretty good shape, you know. So it's not like I'm I need to get in much better shape for hockey. It just kind of comes naturally. But at the same time, um, I I don't know. It's, it's I, I gotta I gotta ask the boss. And the boss is my wife, so we'll see what <laughs> she says. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> that's too funny. Like, how big of an operation do you have out there? Like, how many horses? How many cows? Like, is it? We got a, we got about twenty five horses, and we have about holy shit. I think, I think I think we keep about sixty cows right now. Out on holy the farm, shit! So. You're you're not messing around out there. You got like the real deal. Oh, you're cutting you're cutting out again. I said you're not messing around out there. You got the real deal. Yeah, lots of horses. Horses is my big passion. You know, I don't really make money off of it, but it's just uh, like I said, something I do, and I and I love. You know, my kids love horses. And actually, while I was waiting for you, I was working on the farm with the horses at the corral. We had some horses that were locked up in the corral, sit by fire. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a way of life for us, and we we love to do it. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a way of life that I would enjoy. I mean, I. I'm all about it. Actually, my sister had a horse <laughs> growing up, just one, uh, not at our house. Like we had to keep it at a, a stable or whatever. My dad actually used to coax me into cleaning the stalls 
and, and feeding the horses, mostly cleaning the, the horse shit by saying that Bobby Hall and Gordy Howe used to have farms and they're farm boys and that's why they play in the NHL and blah, blah, blah. So there I was just sure as shit, like doing extra stalls, like asking the other people, hey, do you want me to do yours too? Like I got to make it to the NHL. This is my ticket. You know what I mean? So just stupid, just an idiot. But my dad probably laughing now, but you know, it didn't quite work out the way, the way either one, I guess had hoped, but um, it's, it's a good story. And and I'm actually fairly good at uh, riding horses and I can agree with the, with you. It's uh, extremely, extremely therapeutic. I've never done the actual therapy side of it, but as far as just getting on a horse and riding, like I used to do it all the time. Uh, and then we sold, my sister yep. sold that one. And then we got, she had another one actually later on. And I used to go there and ride it all the time. So I can totally relate to that. Just the whole way of life being out in nature. And it's, it's funny that you said that when I asked you, you know, what, what did you really do? I know you mentioned your wife, but you went to nature too. And that is something that I've really credited to, to my recovery. And uh, like I'm six months clean off the hard drugs. I don't know if you follow my story, but you know, I do smoke, I, I use cannabis and CBD and I'm microdosing mushrooms. Um, and that is my recovery, but I don't drink. I don't do any hard drugs. Um, like, you know what I mean? I'm actually super getting healthy, like starting to eat right and everything. Um, so it's kind of interesting. That's sort of what I'm doing. Uh, have you ever heard of, of microdosing mushrooms at all? No, I haven't. You've never heard of it? These guys, you want to know no, who, ta- who got me into it? Was Riley Cote and Josh Gratton. Yeah, I know I know Riley, Riley and I, both, I know Josh too. Both, both uh, very tough customers and uh, it's always good to see their successes. And I, mean, I see Josh is doing pretty damn well right now. Yeah, so they've both been on the podcast as well, and and actually Riley was on twice. So I, what Riley is doing is is you should check him out if if you haven't uh, seen what he's doing. But he's actually teaching kids down in the states like about the pro like the healing properties of of cannabis and CBD like to kids like with the THC removed, but like teaching kids about like getting healthy, not just that, but about like breathing and yoga and stretching and working on what you're eating and and all of it. And like instead of taking ibuprofen here here take cbd because that's all natural and actually it's a lot better for you and our bodies have it's it's actually i don't want to get into it because i i I will butcher it but if if you should check it out and then the microdosing mushrooms is actually pretty incredible so i started doing it uh two weeks ago um and i did a lot of research about it before and like i talked to a naturopathic doctor josh gratton hooked me up with him and uh Basically, what it does, uh, you should look into it um, because you were a fighter and you got hit in the head a lot. You've been knocked out, and what it does is it 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 helps. Uh, it it um, it's called neurogenesis. It regenerates uh, your brain cells, and it it's not like once you stop taking them, it goes away. It, it's like once you rebuild them, it's good. It's good forever until you get hit again or whatever. But um, definitely. Uh, something that I'll, I'll send you some information, but a lot of guys, yeah. a lot of guys are doing this and UFC fighters are doing it before fights. Um, oh. uh, actually they're, yeah, like it's crazy. Uh, there's so much research about this stuff right now. Um, but I'll quickly say anybody that wants to, uh, 19 plus of course, uh, for the microdosing mushrooms, but CBD can be used by kids. Uh, if you want to guys, sovereign extracts, check them out for CBD and all your extracts and everything. Oh, Siri is having trouble hearing me apparently. Um, but uh, 
also check out microdosemushrooms.com. You can use promo code H2H25 for 25% off. Uh, but definitely, guys, if you're going to look into it, research it. But definitely, John, I, I'm going to send you some research because uh, it was actually Gratz and, and Coates that got me into it. Um, and it sounds a little it sounds a little crazy. It sounds crazy, I know. But it's really not. You don't, you don't get high. You don't – there's no feelings of anything. It's a natural antidepressant. It's, it's very interesting stuff. Um, but anyways, I'm going to let you go to the horses – uh, because it's almost midnight here, but let's connect soon for uh, for for another podcast, and I'd love to talk to you more about the uh, the Puck Support Foundation uh, and what I'm doing with that. And, and I'm going to send you a link to a to a video uh, to the website and just check it out. And really, uh, it's in memory of of all the guys we've lost and girls we've lost, like like Bugard and Rippin uh, and and Belak. And not only the guys that played in the NHL, but the guys that played in the minors and junior levels and, and minor hockey as well. And, and not just men and, and boys, uh, women and girls as well. So, um, guys, that is uh, John Nasty Morasty. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, John. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll do it again sometime. I can't wait. And it's uh, It's been a real honor. Uh, like I said, you're a living legend. And though I played against you, you probably don't remember um, but it's 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 kind of nice to actually talk to you, and because I, I'll tell you what, I was actually nervous because I used to fight a lot, and I thought like, but I'll, I'll be honest too, like maybe if I would have fought you, maybe I would have had a better career. Like I just maybe I should have had some more jam. I probably would have got <laughs> knocked out, but hey, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, it's, it's a ride, my friend. I just ride it, have fun. That's all I look at. So. That's it, buddy. That's it. Okay, man. We'll talk soon. All right, bro. Have a good one. Take care. I know. Guys, that's episode number 40 featuring John Nasty Morasty. Uh, what a nice guy. They usually are, aren't they? Uh, the toughest ones are usually the nicest. Um, very nice to hear that he's doing so well. Such a positive outlook on life. Um, and I tend to agree with him. Uh hockey just is not the same um still a fan uh i did enjoy watching the game today uh but i'll be honest the reason why i enjoyed it probably is because tice was out there tyson berry uh i played with him in Kelowna. um huge fan of this guy he was 16 when i was 20 um i, I honestly have so much love for this kid i i'm just his biggest fan he was so dominant as a 16-year-old. He quarterbacked our power play that I was on. And uh, I gave him the nickname Range because he drove a Ranger over at 16. But that's a story for another day. Uh, lots of fun. Lots of good memories. Like he held my daughter Brooklyn uh, a couple days after she was born. Uh, like we took her to their house out in Victoria. Um, his parents both hold her, held her. Um, we used to have a pretty close relationship. And I just really hope to see him do well. Um, Tice, if you ever hear this, bud, um, I really, really wish you all, all the best. Uh, and to all the Leafs, actually, I'd love to see them win a cup now that I'm living in Ontario, surrounded by Leaf fans. Um, anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all the support. Truly, truly, it means the world to me. Uh, if you really want to help me out, you can check me out on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash hockey to heroin uh, it's a work in progress guys 
Um, it's not even really set up, but look for it in the next coming weeks. Um, that's really um, how I'm going to pay for the podcast, I guess. Uh, but I'm also going to send my patrons uh, signed pictures of myself, different things that I'm getting from Team Issued. Uh, also, hopefully, um, I envision getting signed pictures of my guests and sending them to my patrons at different levels. So if you'd like to support me and my family in the podcast, please, please do on Patreon. Uh, also, guys, I'm days away. I know I've been saying this for the last couple of weeks, but I have been put, putting so much time into it, and I just keep adding more stuff, adding more stuff, adding more stuff uh, to the new hockeytoheroin.com. Um, but I'm hoping by the end of the week um, it'll be done. But hey, if it's not when it is done, I promise you uh, it's going to be a lot better than where it's at right now, something that I'm very proud of. Um, I'm hoping that I'm going to continue to add uh, information that's going to continue to educate people guys you can uh follow me on social media at hockey to heroin also at hockey to heroin podcast on instagram i do tons of live videos uh i have different series on instagram guys Uh, also please check out pucksupport.com um there's a donate button there if you'd like to donate to help get puck support off the ground and all the information is there uh, it's like I said, guys, it's a work in progress. That full website should be available um, by the end of summer, I would say. Um, but it's a very exciting, guys. Again, I want to talk about the three-on-three hockey tournament up here in Muskoka that I envision happening. If anybody wants to help me get it off the ground or if anybody wants to sponsor the tournament, uh, if you want to, you know, not only help set up, but if you want to come out and play in the tournament, I want to have a men's, a women's, and an open division. Uh, competitive all the way uh, down to just downright fun all to raise money for the puck support foundation and hopefully some other great causes um really really looking forward to showing people um where i'm living uh the area that has transformed me uh and brought me back from the dead uh basically i'm so thankful to my girlfriend taylor and her family the debits uh for just allowing me to Uh, basically intrude in their lives I've taken over the spare bedroom as the interim Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio Um, and also I've turned their old chicken coop into the studio that's half done and I've asked to build a sports court um, for the kids and for myself so I can do YouTube videos on there and uh, instructional videos and also coach kids uh, as well as my own kids uh, and turn it into an ice rink in the wintertime. Lots of stuff going on guys. I also have another social media page called Pucks and Plants. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Pucks and Plants. I'm working closely with Riley Cote of body check wellness and the hemp heels foundation as well as athletes for care guys um, to bring you guys the most informative information about the plant medicines as they pertain to hockey so uh, you won't hear me talk too much about the microdosing mushrooms on that social media page that social media page is going to be more for information about um, you know CBD uh, and the anti-inflammatory properties of that and all the amazing properties that come with hemp uh, from the health properties of eating it, uh, the industrial properties, all of it, guys. It's mostly just an educational page. I just want people to stay the hell away from painkillers so that your story never, ever, ever has to be hockey to heroin Um, because there's a lot of great other alternatives out there, guys. And I'm telling you right now, morphine percocets oxys all of it it's all garbage pharmaceuticals for the most part are all garbage so i want to 
continue to bring the most up-to-date information and the most accurate information. I don't want to promote stuff that I, that I don't know or that isn't researched. I just want to share my experiences with you guys uh, and whatever those experiences are, whether it's good or bad, that's what you're going to get. You're always going to get the truth. I'm going to be to try to be as transparent as possible. Not even try. I just will be. I know my dad cringes sometimes at some of the shit I'm saying. He's like, oh, Brady, don't say that. I know Taylor's like, oh, Brady, don't say that. Even her mom's like, oh, maybe you don't have to be that open. I know. I know. Maybe it's going to scare some listeners away, but this is me, guys. This is me. I'm not perfect. If you're perfect, good for you. I don't want to be perfect. I just want to be a little bit better every single day. And I want to continue to make the right decisions for me and for my family. And right now, I'm not sticking a needle in my arm. That's right, dad. Cringe again, but I'm not doing it. So don't have to cringe anymore. My family, you all can sleep well tonight knowing that today was another day clean and sober. Uh, Another day I'm grateful to be alive. Uh, Another day to be grateful for all the wonderful relationships I have in my life. Um, starting with my girlfriend Taylor thank you for putting up with all my continued bullshit Uh, it's a trying process I know Um, I have a long ways to go babe but I love you can't wait to have this little beautiful angel in October Um, and thank you for letting me be a dad to Hadley and Lincoln Lincoln just celebrated his second birthday guys what a fun day that was though it poured rain and it was outdoors we had a covered area the kids were playing hockey we had a great cake and pizza and some great memories Uh, got to meet some new family members uh, on Hadley and Lincoln's side which was just incredible Uh, it really warmed my heart um, because uh, I've talked about it before Uh, Brooklyn and Brody Uh, My kids out west, I haven't seen them in a number of years. I'm working hard to get them back in my life, and I've been asked not to talk about them, so I haven't been. But uh, sorry if it embarrasses you guys. I'm sorry if I've embarrassed you. I'm sorry if I've let you down, but I love you. I just want to be your dad again. That's all I've ever wanted to be, Uh, and I just want us all to be a happy family, and I just want to share my experiences with you guys. And I just want to show you Muskoka. I know you guys have been out here, but I want to show you uh, what I'm up to. And I want to share, like I said, my life experiences with you guys and and introduce you to Taylor and Hadley and Lincoln uh, and uh, all the great people that are in my life. So I really just hope, um, I pray every single day, multiple times a day, that this will come to fruition um, and hopefully sooner rather than later. But I know that as long as I keep doing what I'm doing, making the right decisions, that that is a definite, definite possibility as before it wasn't. And I just wanted it all to end. I just wanted to die. I just wanted me to close my eyes and never wake up ever again. And I'm so thankful, so grateful that I no longer feel that way, guys. And if you feel that way, I promise you don't have to feel that way either. There is no cure. There is no answer. But It can happen and there is hope, I promise you. If you're struggling, please reach out. If you don't feel comfortable reaching out to me, reach out to somebody. If you're not comfortable talking to me but you want me to connect you with somebody, reach out to me and I'll connect you with somebody that I know. I'm working with mental health professionals um, and I will do my best to find somebody in your area and if you can't afford it, I will try. I have no money but I will try 
um, to get you the help that you need if, if you're reaching out for the help. That is ultimately my goal is when someone reaches out for help, whether it's for mental health or addiction, we need to find a way to give it to them now because 30 seconds or a minute or tomorrow might be too late. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I'm so grateful. What a beautiful life. Another beautiful day. Though I struggled today, um, which I didn't talk about. Uh, I'll talk about on Instagram tomorrow. Um, I got through it. And and it was never a question of uh, relapse. My mind just doesn't even go there anymore. It's really quite remarkable. Uh, However... Uh, I was, I had some feelings um, that, you know, came up. Uh, I was alone today, uh, no kids, no Taylor, actually nobody in the house. But you know what? I got through it. Um, I got the podcast done and uh, I'm so thankful for, for John Nasty Morasty um, for his patience uh, because we were supposed to do it earlier. So thank you, John. Um, today was a very, very tough day for me. I hated the way that I was feeling. I thought I was never going to have to feel that way again. Um, you know? Um, and that's just the reality of my life. Uh, anyways, guys, I hope you're all having a great week. It is Wednesday. It is hump day. Hopefully, when you're listening to this on the Hockey Podcast Network, guys, please, please, please subscribe. And please rate and review. It means the world to me. Uh Honestly, please, please, please rate and review and please subscribe and please check me out on social media and please share with your friends and family, but only if you liked it. If you didn't like it, don't share it. But if you did, please do. Episode 40 of Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery is proudly brought to you by Team Issue Limited. Team Issue is connecting all walks of life. Team Issue does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger. A community for all, striving towards the same goal. Guys, that is one of my very good friends and former teammate when I played with the Kelowna Rockets, Jesse Paradise's company. If you follow me on social media, you will see me dressed head to toe in Team Issued swag. Always have my team issued snapback hat on. I have one of every color. I have about 15 different team issued hats, guys. Uh, their clothing is top notch. I got the team issued joggers on right now with my team issued tank. Always team issued head to toe, including the team issued wristband. And after I'm done my workouts, I make my protein shake in my team issued shaker. No word of a lie, guys. They have it pretty much everything, including face masks. Check them out, teamissue.ca. When you shop, use promo code TOEDRAG15 to get 15% off your total purchase. And I'm going to leave you with my go-to workout song. Actually, my playlist is all of them. This is Nefex, who I just recently found. And remember, have a great day, if you so choose.
Yeah, I just wanna be the greatest Everybody knows my name, shit I'ma have this whole fucking game list Spitting with the same wit And I'm gonna be famous Ain't nobody able to delay this Coming up, I had a vision to make it Never wanted to be nothing Always wanted to play shit Sit in class, always wondering why I'm on this lame shit How the hell am I different if we all know the same shit? I ain't never let them doubt me It's about me Keep my head down, let my mouth speak This around me They all about the clout, see Where the crowd be Every time I speak loudly They more about me Man, you know I got a bounty On these lousy Ass haters that surround me Still they doubt me They don't know nothing about me Still the mouth's free I'ma change that soon Better watch out now, see yeah, I just wanna be the greatest yeah. Yeah. And I just wanna be famous yeah. yeah, I just wanna be the greatest yeah. And I just wanna be famous Yeah and I'm not playing any more games Either put me on the charts or I'll put you up in flames Better recognize art cause I don't forget names Should've seen me from the start coming at you like a train Think I'm about to fall apart every single fucking day Seeing all these damn stars with my well-deserved fame And I spit these gold bars while they spitting out shit Man, I give this shit hard but it gives me back pain I wanna be a spectacle, they skeptical But man, I got that chemical, exceptional I do it all intentional, professional So I can make a decimal incredible I'm not thinking, man, they're saying that I've gone insane I'm not Ever gonna make it cause the game has changed I'm not good enough, man, no, that's not okay Tell me that shit again and I'll stop yeah, the I be the greatest Yeah Man, I just wanna be famous Yeah Yeah, I just wanna be the greatest Yeah Man, I just wanna be famous Yeah Now wake up you got some shit to do It's 6am, I don't care, you got some shit to prove Cause right now, you ain't got nothing that big to lose So get your ass to work and don't you dare hit snooze Can't stop this, I'm obnoxious And I'm honest and novice with promise Made monstrous, I'm conscious, but I'm nauseous Think I've lost it, I've got it Spitting all this, still I'm not it I've got this, I will not quit Man, I'm all in, balling on a budget Man, I'm stalling, crawling Cause I'm nothing, but I'm all in, calling I'll be something, yeah, I'ma get it now You can leave if you don't like it Say it out loud you can bite this Keep my head down And I keep on going timeless Make it somehow I believe it when I write this yeah, I just wanna yeah. be the greatest Yeah And I just wanna be famous Yeah Yeah, I just wanna be the greatest Yeah And I just wanna be famous Yeah